This is Journey Church Podcast. Here at Journey, we believe in encountering God and embracing people. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, really glad. I'm really glad to be able to see you today. Um, some of you said I look different because I decided to wear glasses today. I decided to... And I can see, I know who's here now. It's very exciting. Normally, I can't really see past the second row, so. Um, but we're really excited to be here um, starting this new series. Our series is called um, Kingdom Partners. And the, the reason, I gotta, it's a little bit different. As you can see, we're all sitting up here, and I've got nowhere to put my hands or my papers. Um, and, and, um, Sitting here, you can see Dave, and this is Laura G. Veneto. Uh Laura and Jackie Peace, Jackie sometimes leads worship, but she's doing uh, a missions endeavor today, uh, lead our Kingdom Partners ministry. And this has become a really important part of who we are as a church. Maybe you're new to Journey Church. We're really glad that you're here today. Part of the reason we're doing this series um, for the next three weeks is because we uh, want to address what makes us the church. What makes us gel together? You know, we're not just the church because we sing songs or because uh, we come and listen to somebody talk. We're the church because we actually are on mission together to do something for the world and in the world. And we want to talk about that a little bit because it's easy just to make that, oh, well, we just give to missions. That's what we do because we're a church. But our prayer is that we would see that as an integral part of who we are and what we're all about. Um, you know, as a church, we're going to talk about this a little bit, but it is really easy to get self-focused, particularly in this season. And that's not an indictment on any of us. That's just the truth, right? It's easy to get focused on your stuff and your stress. And, and, and so for the next couple of weeks, we're going to focus on uh, what it means for us to be relentlessly outbound. Um, when we started Journey Church, we knew that the Lord uh, wanted us to be a congregation and a community of people that didn't just talk about the world, but actually did something about it. And uh, so this is why Kingdom Partners has become an important part of, of who we are as a community. So we want to just share with you, you know, what is a Kingdom Partner? What, what does this actually mean? And so as we were sort of uh, asking the Lord, Lord, Show us how to make an impact in our world. Show us how to make an impact locally. Show us how to make an impact globally. Show us how to make an impact with our future leaders. Some of the young students and kids in our church and beyond the four walls of this church. How do we address humanitarian issues? How do we address? Because you can't do it all. But God, what would you have for us? So a kingdom partner is simply this. It's the vision behind it is really to, to address these four areas, uh, areas in, the, in the, the leadership of our church. And how do we impact the world globally, locally, our future leaders? And how do we make a difference in humanitarian areas? And so as a church, like I said just a few minutes ago, we give the tithe, which is in obedience to the Lord, faithfully serving him with our first 10%, as the Bible talks about, the first, first fruits of our giving go to the Lord. Without saying, you know, uh, we can do more uh, with the 90% and giving 10% to God than we ever could with, with 100%. Is there someone in the room that would say, amen? I can, I can, yeah, yes, I tested that. That is so true. 
But beyond that is something called the alms or the, the, the um, is our offerings. And really the way we've designed it very simply is kingdom partners is everything else that we can support in and making a difference in these four areas as a church. Okay? So that's kingdom partners in a nutshell. And hopefully there's some information. We'll talk through this a little bit more and we'll kind of unpack it today. Right, and I think part of the reason we want to share this is that there's a lot of ways that you can be an outbound church. And I think historically what we want to address over these next couple of uh, weeks, we don't want to just pretend, oh, the church has been fantastic at this. The, and I'm talking the historical church. Because like, here's the reality. Uh, if you read any history book, you know that we've kind of been terrible at it. And so we actually have to address what kind of an outbound church we don't want to be. We don't want to be a colonialistic kind of like going and imposing our culture on other cultures. And, and so we're going to talk about that. And that's part of the reason I think that we need to address this. Um, I think this is particularly important um, if you've read the news or watched anything. I, and I particularly think for young people amongst us, this is a really important um, thing that we would address. And so that's part of the reason we're uh, talking about Kingdom Partners. And we also want to just give everyone the chance to be introduced to our various kingdom partners, the ministries we support. So Jackie and I will be introducing them next week. And over the next two weeks, so the 31st and the 7th, we'll also do a little market kind of pop-up thing in the foyer after church where you can um, learn about some of the different outreach things we do, as well as um, for the Sparrows, Next Step Ministries, um, Social Enterprise, and for Her Dignity, we'll be having... Um, pop-up shops where you can buy stuff. So bring your wallets, bring some cash. Um, we want to support them. Right. And uh, then on the 7th, this is very exciting. Many of you might have uh, heard of Kevin and Julia Garrett. So a number of years ago, Kevin and Julia were imprisoned in China, and they were there for um, 700 and something odd days. They were there for a long, long time, and they're going to come on November the 7th and share their story with us. And I, I, I know we are going to be challenged and we are going to be stretched to hear their story and to hear how God continues to use them in other nations around the world. So um, just just as a little preview, um, I think we're going to watch a little preview, yeah. The Chinese government is accusing two Canadians of spying. Kevin Garrett and his wife Julia Don Garrett were under investigation by the State Security Bureau. However, their current whereabouts are unknown. 30 years, Kevin and Julia Don Garrett have made China their home, recently running a small cafe. They said my parents are being held at an undisclosed location somewhere in Bandung. Um, that they cannot reveal that location. Kevin Garrett and his wife have been confined and harassed by Chinese security officials for over a year. Now Kevin is facing phony espionage charges. They told me I'm being taken to prison. At first I, I couldn't believe it. I thought, is this really happening? Am I really a criminal? Their ordeal was long and tough, yet their dignity and strength never wavered. Kevin, welcome home. So we are really excited to hear from them on November 7th. I, I do know this, that um, all my growing up years in church, my parents would take me to church. I think the times where I was most challenged as a young person were when people came and said to me, you don't just have to live a status quo life. 
And I think that's our hope with Kingdom Partners, that we would be awakened to the fact that we don't have to live a status quo life. We can actually live um, an exciting life in the kingdom. So mark that on your calendars. If you're planning on sleeping in on November the 7th, plan on putting an alarm on. It's going to be great. Okay, so here's a question we want to ask, and we want to get to our text for the morning. Why, why would we do something like Kingdom Partners? Why, why would we talk about this, particularly in a season like this when I think we're all under stress? Um, our text for this morning is a very common text. It's Matthew 28, which is the Great Commission. But I was reading this text for about the 500th time, maybe, in my life. And I came across, you know, it's so cool how scripture does this. It, like, illuminates new things to you. This is the job of the Holy Spirit, the role of the Holy Spirit. This is why you read your Bible, because God can illuminate new things to you. And I, I want to read this to you. So starting at verse 16, we usually start this at verse 18. But, but I actually think when we read the scripture, we have to be sure that we're reading it in context. When you read it in context, new things pop up. Okay, so here it, was, here's, here it goes. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee because Judas was no longer there. Okay, so he went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. So Jesus, uh, just to put this in context, Jesus has been crucified. And now he's been raised from the dead. And Jesus tells them to go to a mountain. Okay, this is like normal everyday life said nobody ever when they saw him they worshiped him okay that seems like jesus like that seems bible like right yeah because jesus is raised from the dead like he was dead now he's alive some of them worshiped him now this this little paragraph here this little addend is weird but some doubted what jesus died now he's risen from the dead it says that some worshiped him but but no, some just went, nah, I don't think so. Like, I don't know where they're thinking he was a holograph. Okay, so now, now there's a couple questions that have to come to your mind here. At least it came to my mind. What went wrong with Jesus' discipleship? Like, how come there were people that clearly they weren't singing the right songs before he, What? Do you know what the church does when we're in trouble, when we got people doubting and in trouble? We often go inward. We go, uh, so what we're going to do now is we're going to double down on our discipleship efforts. We are not going to have an eight-week class. We're going to have an 84-week class. Everybody's going to go through it. Everybody's going to learn till there are no more doubters here. At least that's sometimes what pastors do. We sit in our meeting week after week and say, how can we get people to love Jesus more? And when they don't love Jesus, then we get discouraged. Now, some of you have thought this yourself. You've said things like this. Well, I wish our church wouldn't focus on outreach so much. I mean, we have got a major discipleship problem here. I mean, have you looked around during worship? Nobody's worshiping. Nobody's crying. But what does Jesus do with this apparent lack of discipleship? It says, then Jesus. So after some of them doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. What? Do you see that the then is tied to the doubting? Some people worshipped and some people doubted. And then Jesus said, Go and make more disciples of me, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son. Okay, so what's interesting here is that sometimes... Sometimes the best remedy for our doubt, 
for our lack of discipleship is not to think of ourselves more, but to think of ourselves less. Is to remember that there's a world out there that needs Jesus. And so as a church, we must be relentlessly outbound, not because we have it all figured out, not because, oh, everybody is just so, we're just like class A Christians, but because this is the way and the method of Jesus. His, his call to us is to be relentlessly outbound because our natural tendency is to be navel gazers. Like, can you imagine if the disciples were like, you know what? Okay, Jesus, we'll come and see you, and we will do this great commission when we get ourselves all figured out. We're going to wait up in that upper room till we are solid. Well, none of us would be sitting here right now, right? Because they would have died, and that would have been the end. The way to our discipleship is to think about others. And this is really, this is really the heart behind Kingdom Partners, that we would be people that think relentlessly about other people. That our church, the purpose of us gathering here, one of the great purposes as of, of us gathering is because we can do more together than we can do alone. I mean, sure, we could all do great things alone, but together we multiply our own efforts. We multiply what we can do for the kingdom. And this is, is an important part of our discipleship. I think where we get caught sometimes is whenever an organization is trying to uh, keep it together and build a, a, a leadership a pipeline or, or focus on what we're to do next, we sometimes have this tendency of thinking about ourselves too much, right? We just like, uh, let's build all the systems to kind of grow our church. And, and, and so we've got to have this idea of our corporate obedience. Like, what is God asking us to do outside of the walls of the church? What is he asking us to do that is going to make a difference in this world? And so we, we look at the scripture. What does the scripture says, say in Acts 15, 28? It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. So as we're looking at how do we make an impact globally, locally, future leaders and humanitarian areas in, our, in, in this world, what are we guided by? It's the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and I think, I think in our Western world, we think about individualism a lot, right? It's like, what can I do? What am I all about? But this corporate obedience, there's something really important that as a church, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. It wasn't like it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to me. There's something really powerful about what can we do together that changes everything. Being part, this is the way that God uh, formed us. So at Journey Church, and particularly with our Kingdom Partners ministry, we want to be corporately really intentional about diving into the principle of generosity. Um, so in Matthew, Jesus says that where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. And in Matthew 6.24, Jesus also tells us that we cannot serve both God and money. And I don't know about you guys, but I find that pretty, like a pretty challenging and uncomfortable um, teaching to hear. <laughs> so... But I want to suggest that the discomfort we feel from those teachings is actually good, and it's an invitation from the Lord to have him change how we see our finances, to get, you know, revelation and insight into that area of our lives, and to learn how to place less weight on comforts, material items, things we can purchase. Um, so in our last series, the Sermon on the Mount series, Jess spoke one Sunday about... Um, power and how all of Jesus's teachings existed to, well, 
part of what they did was dis, like, dismantle power structures. Um, so anytime we're striving for power, we're missing the mark, and money is something that can hold a lot of power in our lives. I know it's held a lot of power for me over the years, um, being a university student, right? Um, so um, we're called in our faith not to engage in seeking after power, but rather surrender everything we have back to the Lord. And I believe that um, power in terms of money can often show up with fear of scarcity or, or lack or not having enough. So we're actually called to acknowledge that scarcity mentality, I think as a form of striving for power, um, I think that's a good place to start. So when we give to the kingdom, we choose to tangibly acknowledge Jesus' teaching that this work on earth will last beyond any comforts or material items we might have. Our heart for Kingdom Partners is to corporately decide that we want to see the goodness, sacrifice, hospitality, servanthood, and good news of Jesus cover this earth. And that part of doing that is putting our money where our mouth is, literally, and putting our money where our treasure lies. So to do that, we need to know where our treasure lies, right? And reflect on that. Money has more power and can be used for greater things when it's given to God. Um, so I was praying last night about, you know, like, how am I going to communicate this, God, so that people are inspired to be generous? And I just heard him say, I'm not in need. Like, we're not desperate here. God could give us a, a million dollars for Kingdom Partners in a second, so there has to be something greater going on here, and I think it's an opportunity to partner with him, right. really. So, um, yeah, no, I think that's because it really comes down to us and our hearts. And the question becomes, the question I think we've all been asking ourselves is, what would it look like if our community got really, really generous? What, what would that look like? What would that look like to the city of Calgary, to the country of Canada, to the world? Like, what if that became the hallmark of what we were about and, you know, I've been having the Lord challenge me. Because, you know, then you get all the, like, the practical. Well, I can't because I have to eat, God. Like, I can't because I can't even afford to go to Costco. Because nobody who is a parent of four children can afford to go to Costco. But what does that mean for my life? What does that mean that we teach our children to live with this radical calling to generosity? And I think uh, then the question becomes, how do we actually go about, uh, maybe some of you are thinking, how, how did you go about choosing? Because like you all agree there's about a thousand, well a thousand is a million different ways that we could be generous. I think on a weekly basis we have somebody say to us, I have a really good idea, I have a really good plan, so how, how do we actually go about choosing that? In Acts 1-8, um, Jesus said this, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, I, I think we hear that Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and go, that was a nice poem that Jesus spoke. He just was really good at geography. And uh, in fact, Jesus was talking about something theological here, that his spirit and his would start in Jerusalem, and so this is where we get the idea of local missions from. That we can't just be about places that are very far away from us. No, Jesus said that his spirit will wake people up in Jerusalem locally. Judea, which would be, which was the province. Like, so that's where we get national missions. We, we uh, partner with missionaries that help all over our country because we're called 
to our country. God knew the time and locations that he would set us up. And then there's this neat little thing Jesus says into Samaria. And so what does it mean for us to be a community of people that reaches out to Samaria? Well, Samaria was uh, physically close and culturally far away. Physically close, culturally far What does that mean for us? Well, there's many places in our city that are physically close, culturally far away. If you don't go to university and maybe you'd like to take a stroll on the university campus, uh, you'll know that the university is physically close to us, culturally very far away. Um, there's many uh, different genres of people in our city, physically close, culturally far away. And those people might never come through the doors of our church. And we got to get real with that. But how are we going to reach out to them? And so we've got to be a church that, that gives to Samaria's and then to the other, uttermost parts of the earth. And this is how we set up um, what we're, what, how we help people and how we go about uh, giving to causes. Yeah, so you know, the truth is, like you said, there's so many places we could give to. Like it's endless. And we don't have an endless supply of resources, but we do have a king and a father who, who does. And so here's a criteria. For those who like to get down to the sort of nitty-gritty and want to write some notes down, here's the criteria that we use to kind of, like, who should we support in this time? And how does, where do the funds go to? So number one, here's how, here's how we think about it. Is there a personal connection uh, to the ministry that we're looking at with Journey Church? Do we have some relational investment? Do we know the organization? Do we know the people running the organization? Do we know they're going to, you know, resource the ministry well? Number one, that's the first thing we look for. The second thing is, is it a worthy project? Like, does the, does the project answer clearly the why? Like, why? There's lots of great things, but is what you're doing Something that is very clear. Can we understand what it is you're doing? Because I don't know about you, but I've heard all sorts of great things out there. And I, and I, and I put it together. But what are they doing? I don't get it. And, and so I think it has to be clear. The project that we're giving to you has to be super clear. Uh, third thing is, is there clear accountability? So is, there, is this an organization we're giving to that has clear accountability? They're not just a one-off, I think there's a great need in this part of the world, and we go, and okay, great, but have you set up systems in place? Have you set up anything that is going to make sure that there's accountability? Because we want to be good stewards of the resources that God has given us. Is there an amen in the room? That was weak, but that's okay. We're there. All right. Is there good communication is the next one. Is there good, com uh, clear communication from the partner organization? Do we hear from them? Or it's like, thanks for, that, for those dollars that you gave, and we never hear from you again. And so we've set up a system where there's good, clear communication. And if that isn't happening, then that's just not an organization we can partner with. Uh, and next one is, are there clear results? You know, how do we quantify the work being done and the resources that are being invested. And sometimes this is complicated. Sometimes, you know, you, it is hard to, to measure this. So, but we want to find ways that we can measure the clear results. And finally, for all the accountants and all the number crunchers in the room, is there a clear budget? Is there a clear budget so we can know that our resources are going to make a difference and impact? Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Um, we also wanted to just share a little bit on what we want to stay away from or be careful about. 
there could be a very long list of this, um, of course, but we've reflected on a few things. Um, and think of this in terms of who we want to partner with and how they do their outreach, but also in terms of when we go on short-term missions eventually, when the world opens up, um, how we want to be really just intentional on doing that well. Um, so the first thing is a fix-it mentality. We want to stay away from um, assuming that we're coming in with all the answers um, and the ability to fix a problem. In the past, we've seen this do a lot of harm when the Western church goes into other countries to do missions or into areas that are culturally different but close by. Um, so we want to go in recognizing that we don't always have the right way of doing things, um, as that can result in bulldozing individuals and ministries that have been standing for a long time and really have their boots on the ground and know what's going on there. Um, a second thing we want to avoid is failing to ask or assume needs, and you can see how both of these kind of go together. If we ask, we probably won't go in with a fix-it mentality because we will have listened and learned their needs. Um, so we want to, yeah, just serve based on what people need and partner with people who serve based on the needs of that community or that um, group that they're working with. The third thing we want to be very cautious of is ignorance. There's a lot of history in any countries or areas that we might work with, and there's a lot of history in our own country that we need to be aware of, that we need to not shy away from. So we want to be, kind of, Jess, you were saying this earlier, we want to acknowledge stuff like colonialism, like hurt that the church has done in the past. We want to um, not turn a blind eye to injustice and racism when we choose who we partner with, when we go on short-term missions trips eventually. Um, so this involves listening to our partners first, listening to people who have their boots on the ground. We're all about that. Um, so let's get fired up and excited about reaching out, but we want to be cautious to not give ourselves the glory, right? To like do this in a good way and recognize that we're just playing one part and all the glory to God. Right. So, okay. So here's where the rubber meets. Some of you came today and you thought, I didn't know that I, I probably would have slept in today if I hadn't known this was gonna be about fundraising for Kingdom Partners. Some of you are like, how did she have that prophetic word for me right now? Here's where the rubber meets the road. Oftentimes we talk about scripture, it, it challenges us and changes us. And we can get an amen from that. Yes, scripture challenges me and changes me. But, but if we're honest, we like it when it's about us, right? Like, we like it when it's about, like, a burden we're carrying or, like, you don't know the hard, the hard time that I'm in right now. I needed a word from heaven today. And you talked to me about how we're going to give to missions. I, apparently, I showed up at the wrong church. But I, I want to challenge us to think differently about that today. That sometimes the word from heaven that we need is a word that says, it's not about you. Sometimes the word from heaven we need is get your eyes off yourself and look up to the heavens. Now, that's not, please don't hear this morning that I'm not acknowledging pain. recognize as your pastor that there's all kinds of pain in this room 
recognize that some of you are carrying burdens that are too much. And that you actually kind of felt like you dragged yourself in here today. But I think back to Matthew chapter 28. Please don't see Matthew 28 as a proof text today. This is the text and the word of the Lord to us. That the disciples themselves would have been feeling weary. I mean, the Messiah, the Savior, the one that they followed, the one that they thought was going to upturn Rome, died. And now they were being hunted. Their lives, their livelihoods, the things that they thought were going to happen had now just been crushed. And here comes Jesus. Come meet me on the mountain. Now, if I'm a disciple, I'm thinking that Jesus is coming to say, tricked you about that death stuff. It's going to get really easy from here on out. Like I built some mansions for you. I got a Rolls Royce coming up for you. It's going to be amazing because you held on to the end. I, like I'm thinking if I'm a disciple that this is the end of the, the rainbow. Could, could you see that they'd be thinking this? Like, yes, we made it through the death of Jesus and now he's coming. And he doesn't say that. Instead he says... I got a job for you. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature, teaching them to obey me, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then he says, and I'm going to be with you until the end. This is the prize at the end of the rainbow. And I, I just know that whatever burden you've come in with today, that Jesus stands at the door of your heart and he says the same thing, the best way. Give me all the burdens, and I'm going to give you a gift that is going to be greater than you could imagine, greater than anything you could. Because giving is always better than receiving. Giving is always better than receiving. So some of us just in this place, I, I, we're going to like bring it right down to the brass tacks. How are you working out the Great Commission? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other uttermost parts of the earth. How are you working that out in your life? If you were standing on the mountain with Jesus right now and he speaks to you, how are you going to respond to him this morning? And this is the call for all of us. No matter where we stand, no matter what, no matter what life is bringing to you today, How are we going to be people that obey the words of Jesus? Not just talk about the words of Jesus, not just sing about the words of Jesus, but obey the words of Jesus. So I want to pray with you today. And I think one of the things I want us to, to get as we pray is that, you know, this isn't a, oh, you know, as a pastor, we've got to think about missions. We've got to think about how we're supporting people in, around the globe. This is a, an obedience issue. And I'm praying today that all of us, from God, would have revelation on how we are to participate. I'm not here to say, okay, if, uh, you know, have a show of hands, uh, call the 1-800 number. We need X number of dollars to fulfill our budget and our responsibilities this year. It's not how, it's not how we look at this. We set a goal for the year. We said $50,000, I think, is something as a church that we could 
we could probably raise over and above our regular tithes, over and above to, to meet some practical needs around the world. $50,000. If you break it down, it's, it's doable as a church. But what's God asking you to do? What's he asking you to be a part of? And we can't do it on our own. This is not something that Dave and Jess came up with. This is something I believe the Lord has infused into the, the fabric of this church, that we would become people who are relentlessly outbound, reaching and meeting needs all around the world. Would you stand with me today as we just close in prayer? We'll spend just a few moments in worshiping the Lord together. But I want us to just hear what God wants us to do. So Lord, in this moment, all around this room today, as we just open our hearts to you, God, I pray that you'd speak to us. I pray that you would challenge each individual here today. Maybe they've been faithfully serving and giving to Kingdom Partners all year round, and you gave them a number of figure that they could participate in and be a part of. But Lord, there's others in this room that have maybe for the first time they're hearing this today. So what would you challenge us? Not only to give financially, but how to prayerfully support for those that we care for. God, I pray for the individual here today that is just saying, I need Jesus in my life today. And I'd like to be a part of this bigger vision. But Jesus, I need you to come in. I need you to rescue me right now in this moment. As I come to you, I ask you to, to reveal yourself and your spirit to me as I dedicate my life to you these days. And I ask that you'd show me what it looks like to follow you each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today on Journey Church Podcast. For more information about our ministry, visit myjourney.church.